I'm just I'm sad Harper's not here because he had he had been messaging us. He had all those crazy ideas, and I was hoping he'd be here to defend them. Right. But, uh, well, well, we'll just float them out there and and you know let the people decide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is on him. You know. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, just prepare to. Uh, It'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch and unbelievable goodness. Welcome Pacers fans, you are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. Today is November 15th and this is episode 481. Coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana, I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we're going to discuss Victor Oladipo's impending departure slash contract extension uh, <laughs> and... We, we have some insight into the NBA calendar, and we're going to have some undergoogables. Joining me this week are two of our three analysts, coast-to-coast, coast, like buttered toast. First, for the birthplace of said Victor Oladipo, Silver Spring, Maryland, it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, undebeatables? Good to see you guys. And uh, as the great Mark Boyle said, uh, ring the bell. Ring the bell. <laughs> from indianapolis indiana he's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks in the crappy jingles john colson what is up pacer nation yeah i'm a shout out this uh the week is to to all you listeners and to all of uh our fellow americans who survived potential uh apocalyptic uh election and uh and is in the grips of a, a devastating pandemic that continues to get worse uh, but we're all hanging in there, so keep hanging in there. Stay safe. I guess the safest thing you can do is listen to this pod. Probably it's the only thing you can yeah. do safely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, just at, at, a, at a reasonable volume. But uh, beyond that, <laughs> yeah. When did when did my phone start telling me how uh, what volume I could listen to my podcast at? That was fairly recent, at least. Um, but oh. I started noticing it. Oh really? My yeah. Phone, your your phone is. Uh more of a nanny state than my phone so <laughs> okay yeah i was like uh you're you're uh, you've been listening to your podcast at a sl- slightly more reasonable level than you did last week i think is what it tells me or whatever really okay wow. yeah oh you know what i did get uh i did get a notice on that but it just said like that i was good it just said you're oh. you, you're you're doing good yeah mine's good concerned work. about my long-term hearing apparently huh maybe your parents got a hold of your phone and uh Flip a couple parents parental settings on there. Oh, I see. I see because they're worried about my. I see. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's not the phone's fault. It's my parents' fault. You're just throwing well, Bob I'm and Joyce under like, the bus here. Well, no, I'm saying they're looking out for you. You know, you're known for uh, two things. It's uh, you know standing in front of speakers at loud concerts and cranking your <laughs> podcasts up. You know, it's true. Yeah. That's that is what they always say when it's like the first thing they say when they talk about John. Yeah. They're like. John, I mean, which John? Oh, the one that loves to listen to really loud music. That's right. Yeah. yeah. The the jokes on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me are just so much funnier when they're just blasting. <laughs> I agree. When, with they, that. when your speakers are shaking. Right. <laughs> the thing is, like the jokes, you gotta feel them. You know, like you can't just hear them. <laughs> that's right. Gentlemen, there's been more news about Victor Oladipo. There has been conflicting reports. There is the article in the Star came out, uh, basically saying that he wants out. In fact, there was a couple of times. Apparently, three separate occasions, he asked players on the other team during the game in front of his teammates if he could go play with them. Uh, so, if that's true, not a great look. Um, but <laughs> to say the least, especially because one of the teams was the Knicks. 
I come on. Yeah, that's, that's low blow. Yeah, <laughs> they would love to have you there, uh, Victor. Uh, but then uh, another report coming out saying that it was not true. Um, Colson, you sent you sent these in. Um, you know, w- w- is there is there truth to both sides? You know, the, the, there could have been some changes because of, you know the new coach. Uh, there's there's a lot to unpack here. You know, where, where do you see where do you see the actual truth? Yeah, so this is an article in the the Star. Uh, it was called "Making the Case to Keep or Trade uh, Oladipo," and uh, I thought it was a scathing <laughs> article. Um, really goes after Oladipo here, um, and says some things that that kind of rang true for me, that made some sense, and some and some other stuff that really raised some concerns for me. You speak about the the other article, Joe. I think that article came from. Uh, Oladipo had to respond to this, uh, to this article, and came out and said, "I have not requested a trade. I'm not planning on leaving Indiana. I love Indiana." Um, so, um, I think that's why the second article was written. It wasn't in, it wasn't denying all the things that were written in the in the first article. It was just trying to shut down um, the rumors. I think um, the things that 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 uh, stuck out to me that made a lot of sense were. Um, Basically, when Oladipo got injured, we brought in a whole new uh, crew, a whole new team in that offseason, um, including uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who is a natural leader um, and kind of uh, took over the leadership mantle while Oladipo was rehabbing. And when Oladipo went back to the locker room, he was no longer the locker room leader. And um, I think he was dismayed by that. Uh, it makes a ton of sense. You, you're, there's a vacuum of leadership, and you've not been around. Um, and so I can understand why he'd be upset. Um, but um, it's an interesting reason to kind of want to get out, but that's one of the reasons they talk about. One of the things that I was unaware of, and at least according to, to this article, uh, Oladipo is an incredibly positive person, which we've talked about all the time. He keeps the locker room up um, when things are going well. Uh, but according to this article, he's also, when things are going uh, poorly, he tends to be fairly negative. And it's one of the reasons that he was moved from his other, from Orlando and from uh, uh, the Thunder, because he wasn't getting the minutes or being utilized in the way that he wanted. And so he sort of made himself a, tr- a problem child and got moved. So um, that's a concerning fact to learn. Those are the two things that struck me most. I don't know what you guys saw. No, yeah, I mean, and that was even an issue that we talked about a lot on this podcast is sort of who is going to be the leader in the absence of, of Oladipo. I didn't think that it would come to the to the place where it, it wasn't his team anymore. And it seems like it did come to that place. And, you know, it makes sense to me. If you consider yourself an alpha dog um, in a group, there can only be one alpha. Right, and if somebody else has taken over that alpha, either you, you know, fight them for it <laughs> and become the alpha right. again, right. or you go find a new crew. And Oladipo definitely seems like the kind of guy that envisions himself as a leader, and <clears throat> as the he he wants to be the man, right? The guy that takes the shots on the on the team. One could imagine a scenario where both were true in a sense that brogdon could be the vocal uh leader he's very he he seems to have the dna for that right or whatever the gene or genes are that that make one uh amenable to leadership positions he's got that um but then also oladipo can be the alpha on the floor right basically taking the shots down the stretch I don't know how many examples in NBA history we have of that being the situation and it working well. I mean, you know, you got to think there's like situations where point guards, I mean, I guess it would be point guards, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, John Stockton was probably the alpha on the jazz, you know, in the locker room and Carl Malone on the floor. Right. Yeah. I guess they didn't win a title, but they went to the finals twice against the, you know, potentially the best team of all time yeah so it's definitely concerning i mean this stuff like if if it's true that he in front of his other players 
um, said, can I come play with you guys? Like, that's just a bad look. And says a lot in opposition to what our perception of Oladipo as a, a team player and as a pacer um, was. But maybe that's a manifestation of, you know, as you were saying, Colson, like, if he's in a situation where he's not happy, like, he just causes trouble, right? Right. And that's definitely causing trouble. It's causing a lot of trouble, right? Yeah, I wonder, you know, and I, and I guess, like, looking at those things, you, you know, this is Brogdon's team now. Uh, where does that where does that put the Pacers? I mean, it, can you, you know, if he has to be the best player, like, or is he okay not, you know, it not being his team? I mean, I love Brogdon. He's been fantastic. But if he's your best player, I don't. I don't know that that we're gonna see as much success as we've seen. I mean, he's he's when he's healthy. I mean, he's like a borderline all star, and, and maybe he has more room to grow. But I don't. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. No. I think I just want to be clear. The the article says that um, it's clear that it's no longer Victor's locker room, which does suggest that it's no longer. Um, his team, but also like that doesn't mean that just like you were saying, Jason, like whether you can work out a situation where you can still be the leader on the floor if you're Victor Oladipo, or you can still, you know, I'm not, I'm, it, I don't think the article is saying that Malcolm Brogdon, because he's the leader of the room uh, of the locker room, has to be the best player on our team necessarily. Because right. I agree that's, with you. That's what I'm hoping. If that's he's our best player, then we're in trouble. <laughs> Right. right. And I mean, we've seen in the recent past, right, like those David West teams, you know, David West was the leader of the locker room. Right. Paul George was the best player and like right. the alpha on the court. Right. So it it can, you know, happen. Well, right? well, that was a situation where Paul George didn't want to be the leader in the locker room. Right. He wasn't good at that. Right. We've talked. Right, we spent right, right. lots of years talking about that. But if Oladipo wants to be the leader in the locker room as well as on the floor and he doesn't have the locker room, then you could see why he'd be unhappy because it doesn't sound like he's getting it back. <laughs> yeah. There was an interesting uh, sort of sentence or mini paragraph in there too, about the uh, opposing views of Brogdon and Oladipo as far as things outside of basketball were going specifically uh, the social justice movement uh, around black lives matter and sort of Oladipo, you know, not convinced that, you know, these actions would would make a difference whereas brogdon we know is very uh, vocal and active uh, in that that world and i could see where that could bring those two to a head and not that i mean i'm not trying to and i don't think the article was trying to like throw oladipo under the bus like after f- <laughs> 400 years of history in the united states like i think it's a totally rational position to say like whatever we can do whatever all these things nothing's going to change like i think sure. that that's that's a valid um conclusion i don't necessarily agree with it but um and i could definitely see where activists or folks of an activist attitude like um malcolm brogdon would be like that doesn't jibe right it's hard you know that and that's an interesting place where it's like you know um you know it's hard to go to war with with folks that like even though it's completely outside of basketball, you know what I mean, and and I think that people are capable of drawing these lines between you know workplace and personal and all that stuff, but you know things are you know melding together, worlds are colliding these days in ways that seem un- unavoidable, right, and and have real impacts. But I'm probably speculating too much, so I'll stop. <laughs> Um, I, I thought there was some interesting stuff on um, on Nate McMillan, uh, you know, just sort mm-hmm. of in passing uh, about how um, he coached through fear. You know, we'd always talked about him as being a, a disciplinarian and a guy who just kind of set the structure um, uh, and allowed, um, you know, the team to th- thrive because they didn't have you didn't have to worry about shenanigans they just he kind of had the rules set in place and then if you've got a a positive uh leader like 
Oladipo, then you know the team can be positive, even if the coach is really stern. But uh, ru- I, I, the phrase "ruling through fear" was pretty, I thought, um, telling. Um, and so the article ultimately puts a lot of this on the new coach. Uh, you know, it says you know this is going to be up to Bjorkgren to to kind of figure out um, whether all these pieces fit, and also to manage the personalities in the locker room, um, and. You know, they've stated that he's really interested in the personalities of the players, that he texts these guys all the time, that, you know, he's a modern basketball coach um, who's, you know, in touch with his players' personalities and um, their emotions. And so, you know, maybe this is something he can navigate where, um, you know, Nate McMillan didn't know what to do with this. And maybe that helped add to Oladipo's unhappiness. Yeah, I think that another, another, Sort of perspective on this is the the reality of uh, uh, of Oladipo's worth in the league. You know he's he's um, you know he's going to want as much money as he can get. Um, you know there's the sort of realities that he, I mean, particularly right now, he he you know he played at the end of last season. Um, he looked fine. You know he looked pretty good, um, but he wasn't he wasn't the Oladipo that we had seen in the past. Um, and I don't know right now, you know, that his trade value is is, is super high. You know, I don't think anyone, if he was an unrestricted free agent, if anyone would just, you know, just write him a blank check and say, here you go. Um, and, and if he's looking to win, you know, th- he's going to have to take a position, I think, on a, a, a great team at a, at a lower price. You know, I don't... Well, and lower responsibility, right? I mean, if, right. if if what he wants is to be the best player and and the leader in the locker room and on the floor, like he was here, um, he's not going to be able to go to a team that's full of stars already or have established pecking orders. You know, he can say all day he wants to go to Miami, but he's going to get to Miami and he's going to be like the third or fourth best player, right? And he's not going to be in charge of the locker room. Um, and I mean, you can go to the Knicks, but you're not going to win. So if he actually cares about winning, that's another thing. Um, and then, you know, you're right about the money, Joe, right? Like he's getting paid $21 million next year with us. Um, he did not look like the all NBA player that he was two years ago when he came back. Um, and if he's not that, he's not going to get a significant raise either from us or from another team. So if you're, tr- if you're a team trading for him, um, knowing that's what he's going to want, um, you might end up, if you're not willing to pay that, you might end up losing him on a rental. So, you know, I think his trade value is pretty pretty bad right now. Um, but you also don't want him to walk away. So, I mean, the, the, I think the um, the ownership and, and, you know, the brass, you know, I mean, I think Pritchard is in a, is in a tough spot. And I'm hoping that... Um, you know he that Oladipo comes back healthy and he meshes and we have lots of success and all this goes away, but even if that's even if that part goes away, he's still not going to have the locker room, right? What's the like? Just to to bring things into context, where is where is he on his contract? Is this the, the this final is the last year, season? Right? Yep, we're going final, right. the final year. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so this is a contract year for him. It is a contract year. Yep. I got. You. So this is the year. If you don't think you can retain him, you trade him, because otherwise he walks away. And you get nothing, um, you know. And they said they haven't negotiated a deal yet because he can make more money on the open market than us negotiating with him while he's still under contract. So that also is going to make it, you know, makes it dangerous. Potentially going to lose him either way. There's not a way, at least according to his agent, there's not a way to lock him up before free agency necessarily. Wait, can you can you explain that? Like why? Yeah. So I there's something about. Um, the way that we can't um, give him the percentage raise um, on his contract right now because he's only making $21 million. You can only give percentage raises on what you already owe them versus if he's a free agent, you can offer him the max, whatever, right? So he has to give, completely get out of his contract to get the max, I think. Well, Pretty Why sure. Would, I mean, I, I I'm not saying you're wrong, but what's the? I mean, I, I thought the NBA had you know try to incentivize these deals so teams could keep players you yes, know longer. I agree, but that doesn't seem like it matches. Well, this they do to a situation. degree, right? To a degree, the, I think part of the issue is the the leap that Oladipo 
made, right? Oh, going I Going from a sort of low, you know, good level talent to an all NBA level talent potentially, right? Okay. Like that jump is just his earning potential exceeded what a normal or whatever linear growth rate whatever of of a salary would dictate right gotcha um and the nba i mean there are clauses in the cba right so the pacers even at the end if he goes into free agency are in a better bargaining position they can offer him more money per year i believe and an extra year if they want to. so only the pacers could offer him a five-year deal right okay. no other team could do that since he, he can get he can get contract. more years by staying with us and therefore more money um, okay but we just can't do that today right so, he become he okay. can get more money by coming a free agent in the summer of 2021 than by signing an extension okay um, they talk about how that, that that's actually a risk for him because of his health. I mean, you know, maybe sure. just making the extension right now, Pacers are happy to do it, um, you know, potentially. You know, it sounds like there also maybe some behavior stuff that we need to get. We need to make sure his head's in the right place. But, you know, the, I think Pritchard has talked openly about ready to, you know, willing to extend him. Um, but, you know, Oladipo's betting on himself and good for him. Um, but, you know, you'd hate to see this fall apart for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, right? And ton of them. And things might get really interesting this week, actually, right? Because the NBA, since we last did a podcast, has sort of um, given us more insight into what's going to happen with the season. Actually, the players and the league came to a deal um, for the league to start on December 22nd. But in the more immediate future, the draft is this week. It's Wednesday, the 18th, I believe. And then the free agent moratorium signing window or whatever negotiation window starts on the 20th, I believe, right? So there's going to be a... By the time you know we do a podcast next week, there's going to be a bunch of changes. Like, people will have drafted players and traded them and traded picks and all that stuff and the Pacers are at the heart of a ton of rumors swirling around uh, trading draft picks and trading players you know because of Oladipo and and other players on the team so I mean it's basically the opening days it's like five weeks away yeah from today so like yeah we're we don't get to like do that schedule pod that comes in you know we got like uh you know six weeks before the uh, after anything's happened and before anything else is going to happen, you know, it's like schedule pod's going to come out like in the middle of uh, yeah. also the free season. agency. And, and now, now that that's sort of coming, you know, a little more concrete, I'm like thinking, you know, there's so many logistics that have not been answered that there, there are no answers for, uh, you know, our team's going to have, yeah, are they going to host fans? Um, you know, are they going back to the bubble? Like, I don't know that there's answers for any of that stuff. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know that there's going to be a you know, universal ruling on that. Uh, you know, I think the teams get to choose, it, assuming it's at their, you know, they're playing at their own arenas, then the teams will get to choose. But, uh, um, yeah, we just hope uh, hope all this goes. But man, there's a lot of logistics to get solved uh, pretty quickly. But so, what do we know, Joey? What are what is the the so calendar look like? So okay, so um, opening night, like we mentioned, December twenty second, um, the All Star break, uh, and this is the tentative schedule. But uh, the All Star break would be March fifth through tenth. But there will be no All Star game. So that would, we would assume no all-star activities at all. I mean, you can still vote, I guess, but uh, that won't happen. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they will have all-stars so they, even without the game. Still will be all-star teams, but not yeah, without sure. the game. I mean, sure. I mean, I don't know. Does it, you why can, not? Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, why not? Um, well, I, know, think, I, could, I actually think that they might need to do it because there's so much 
built into the CBA regarding yeah. Uh, yeah. negotiations and potential for contracts and all that stuff. Well, it's like I, bonuses, right? Like yeah. you, you get a big bonus totally. if you make an all-star team. And Absolutely. Hall of Fame ballots, you know, I mean, stuff like right. that. Like it's a, sure. you know, yeah. yeah, it's a big deal. So, yeah, we can do that like they had and just not play. Um, then looking to end the season on May 16th and May 17 to 21 is going to be the play-in te- uh, tournament for the 7 to 10 seeds. Uh, so that looks like they want to do that again. Uh, you know, we've been talking about this for a little while, but uh, they looks like they want to keep that. Well, but and this sounds like a new thing, right? What we well, had in the I bubble mean, yes, was just... Keep, keep as in... Uh, use that again from the bubble but maybe expand upon that right uh, a, a little more uh a, a little more uh a little more structure you know they basically right. the one at the bubble was sort of like uh, you're already here so you know <laughs> play in a tournament um but this one is it's a, a play in tournament from this for the seven to ten seeds um so that's going to be you know four days and then uh first round starts may 22nd um move on to the uh you know, conference semis, the finals, and then um, looks like the last day uh, for the NBA finals, you know, would be the July 22nd. Um, but that puts, uh, you know, the, the Summer Olympics are, are not long after that. I think they're one of their goals in this schedule. Probably one of the big goals in this schedule was to finish early enough um, so that the, they can put together a, a, a healthy team for the Olympics and not be embarrassed on the international stage um, in basketball. But, I mean, that's one issue. I think the bigger issue is they don't want to lose the ratings to the Olympics. I think that's the main isn't it isn't it Winter oh, Olympics sure. anyway? No, 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 it's summer. No, okay. Well, it was summer twenty twenty, but they got delayed to twenty. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay. So yeah, so the, so it's the twenty twenty Olympics in the okay, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. They're definitely trying to get ready for the Olympics because the the season starts two months later than it normally does, but it ends only a month later. So they're smashing this thing in uh, 70, 72 games instead of eighty two games. Right. Yeah. How do you guys feel about this? I mean, whatever. Or you know, we don't know until we see the schedule. Or I mean, I think it's. I think it's smart of the NBA to to do it with this type of timing, even though it seems accelerated, right? I think that the, uh, you know, we saw in the bubble that they sort of lost the ratings war with the NFL. Once NFL started, like, NBA ratings sort of dropped off quite a bit, so you don't want to get in a situation where you're, you're ending, you're doing your finals in September again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're you're inching closer back to a normal calendar. Um, like you, Colson, I was kind of surprised that the the players' association agreed to this. You know, so quickly. I guess. I mean, there's obviously there is a ton of money at stake, not just this year, but in future years. And so, I think that that motivated players to you know not break up the current cba in which, which is what would have happened right 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 if they had not agreed so so the players wanted sort of a 50 game season that would start in february or march or something like that right mm-hmm. um or at least after the new year um the nba wanted this what we end up having now right which is a schedule starting in december um had that had they not come to terms, then that would have broken the CBA and and caused all kinds of ripple effects. Right, uh, keeping it intact, I think, is good from a business point of view for everybody. It will be super interesting to see how people handle load management this year, right? Because mm-hmm. you're playing a 72 game season crunched into. It's going to be tighter, I think, than the oh yeah eighty-two game schedule, right? So there's going to be more back-to-backs. We're going to see lots of five games and or whatever three games and what is it four games and five nights. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they do travel and even who teams play. Like, you know, are we going to have Eastern Conference teams playing Western Conference teams? Or yeah, I was hearing that. Yeah, one idea is that you don't even play the other conference, right? 
which seems super odd, but, you know, in terms of balancing health, you know, the reducing the number of teams that you interact with is, you know, and the less travel, right. And, and reduces travel. Yeah. Um, seems like they're definitely going to do things where they, you know, you play, you know, so we play in the central division. So we, you know, typically play everybody in our division twice, both home and road. Right. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you're going to have a situation where, you know, we fly to Chicago, we play Chicago and then we play Chicago again, like instead of doing multiple travel days or whatever. Well, yeah. And it could be that we're just going to play the people within our division way more than four times. You know, it could be that, you know, we go to Chicago and we play a four game stand. And then they come later in the year down to Indy, and we play a four games, and they play a four game stand against us down here. That would you be know, nice. because yeah, it will be. But I mean, they're gonna have to come up with something. If if you're, if, you know, if you, if they're gonna reduce this travel and reduce this risk. You know, that's they they got to be creative about it. So, I've heard nothing recently about going back to the bubble. Does that? Has anyone else heard? Like, I don't think they want to go back to the bubble. Okay, I yeah. think the what I've read is that owners by and large want uh games in their stadiums and they want fans in order to reap gate receipts yeah cool and like you said earlier the ability to do that is going to vary from state to state right because we live in a confederation right right (laughs) so right so yeah you you know some places won't let anybody in some places you can have a, th- a fourth capacity, you know, I mean, who knows what they're going to do. And then, um, but I think what they're hoping for is if a vaccine comes in in the middle of the season or something like that, then since we're already in these arenas, we can just open up the doors completely. Um, All right, guys, follow me on this one. So this has probably the most, the best chance in Indiana. But uh, if we can get the Pacers classified as a religion, we could do 75% capacity. Okay. I mean, it's definitely. I think it's basketball is a religion in this state. I think. I think you can yeah. count that. Yeah. I think. I think in forty nine other states, it's just basketball. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, and we do services, you know, more often than just Sundays. You That's know, right. and they're so in the a very evening. Very devout uh, community. Oh, uh, for sure, for sure. But you don't want to be a bar and restaurant that's only like twenty five percent. But uh, churches. Where the, the the virus travels less, I guess. Um, oh, for 75%, sure. Five percent. Yeah. I think the virus is respectful of religious <sighs> communities. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um. I just real briefly. There's uh the reason we're not uh, going over the uh, draft is we're none of us are draft experts. Uh, I think historically we normally uh, do our draft review on the week following the draft. Um. But we usually do a preview of at least the Pacers pick. But just for you Pacer fans out there, Pacers do not have a pick this uh, this year. First uh, round pick. First round pick. round pick. Right. But as Jason mentioned, we might get involved in trades. And if that happens, we will let you all know about it next week. But we don't have any young prospect to talk about this week. Um. Colson sort of and this this may come into play during the during during the, the madness that, that sounds like it may be next week uh, but uh, there are uh, some uh, some reports like lots of reports that uh, uh, mr. Westbrook is is very unhappy with the uh, with the rockets and um, there's been some uh, uh, he expresses expresses displeasure with the stability of the organization. It sounds like that dude wants out, and Houston is going to explode, uh, or the the team itself, not okay. the not okay. the city. <laughs> um, but uh, you you've heard of these you've heard of these rumblings have, as well. I have. Um, how do you feel about uh, uh, Westbrook in uh, in Indiana? I mean, because you can have him. <laughs> I think I think Houston's ready to give him to. Whoever's willing to give anything back. Um, he's still got three years left on his enormous contract. Um, and, um, yeah, we pretty much have to give away the house for him, but we'd have a star. Uh, ship, him to, ship him to Philly. That's <laughs> everybody else is going. That's true. Another team for him to tinker with. 
I don't know. I don't know where he's going to end up, but he does not sound happy there in Houston. Um, I thought I thought he and James Harden were besties, but uh, and I also thought that uh, he had a really good season there before he got hurt, before he got COVID and went into the bubble. Um, I guess maybe he's just not happy with all the instability happening behind the scenes, um, because he apparently he's a creature of habit, and it's not really easy to make systems when the systems kind of always in flux, right? Yep. But if you wake up tomorrow and Westbrook's on the team, you heard it here first. <laughs> if not, then it was wild speculation. Right. I was I was surprised that uh, that Harper had said he wanted to package o- Oladipo, Turner, T.J. Warren, and T.J. Leaf uh, for for Westbrook. I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> That's what you would have to do to make the salaries match. Yeah, exactly. You basically have to trade half your team. <laughs> I mean, do would we would we rather watch a team uh, win in the playoffs or a dude get the triple double every night? What's more important to you? Triple doubles are pretty cool, man. Yeah, I, I will say we haven't watched a lot of Pacers winning uh, playoff basketball games recently, so. <laughs> Might as well get some Touché. triple doubles out of it. Touche. <laughs> Ooh. Ouch. Was, that kind of got me. Yeah, I <laughs> fired at myself. Yeah. You did get it. swept out uh, a lot. You guys want to take a quick break and, and uh, crack some undegoogables in the second half? Sounds, sounds like great. a plan. All right. Sounds good. We'll be back in a few. All right. First thing, I got my stat of the week. Joey, stat of the week! Well, it's 2020, so we all know what that means. Uh, Rampant destruction. So, uh, my stat this week is the 2020 hurricane season. Hurricane season's almost over. You know, those in the Midwest don't think about it near as much, but those uh, in the South and east and on the coast think about a little bit more than we do but still see it in the news and the 2020 season is uh, the most active in history uh, recorded history i guess um there have been 29 tropical storms uh, so far um and you know how uh they the storms they start sort of alphabetically and they you know rotate with people's names is uh, they are now on the Greek alphabet because uh, they've gone past Z. Uh, so subtropical storm Theta uh, was forming November 9th uh, as the 29th storm. So I know uh, uh, Cuba Cuba got hit uh, by Hurricane is Eta. Ada. Uh, Ada on the 8th. And that was the last one to, to make landfall. Um, and Hurricane Zeta hit uh, Louisiana and 
some parts of uh, Mexico in the Yucatan Peninsula uh, late, late October. Uh, but yeah, Hurricane Iota uh, is the 13th hurricane uh, of the mind. 2020 Atlantic season, and it's currently hitting Central America. Also, uh, well, related, but have you guys heard that the uh, hurricanes with female names it, end up killing more people? Yep. I did know that. Yeah. The uh, uh, people... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, are less scared of them, so they stay home mm. and get smashed by an uncaring, uh, genderless hurricane. <laughs> but when you, when you hear Maureen's coming for you, you know. Do you, sure. But if it's Clint, Hurricane Clint, run know, for your lives. Get out the way. <laughs> All right, we are going to move to our undegoogleable section this week. Colson, again, I'd like to thank you for making the undegoogleables spin-off podcast your your brainchild. It's lighting the internet on fire. That's right. If you haven't checked it out, go to. Well, actually, you can go to our website, the Undebeatables, and get the link to the undegoogleables podcast which comes out every saturday morning uh, you can also find it on any of your podcast apps so shout out it's usually seven to 20 minutes long depends on how much we talked <laughs> that week about a certain topic but uh much shorter than this show you can knock it out while you're taking a shower or doing the dishes or walking the dog walking the dog so check it out and you know you leave uh knowing a little bit more than you did when you turned it on just a little bit. <laughs> oh, are we doing under Googleables? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to, sir. You said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. So the first one this week, Jason, I think you had a question for us that, that I'm hoping we can answer. I do have a question. So, okay, so this is not a, a typical under Google Pulse, I guess. Uh, but, um, okay, so my, my wife and I were walking around the, the Arboretum uh, last week with our goddaughter and her mom. Uh, and we, it's just beautiful fall foliage now. The colors are amazing. It's It's just ridiculous. And we're taking pictures and stuff like that. And, and Jill uh, asked the what I thought was a really amazing question, which is how in the world do cameras capture all of this amazing color? Like we sort of, we can sense it and we see it, but how do cameras do it? And I kind of know the answer for the cameras that we use now. So digital cameras have a... a, a I don't even know what it's called, but a, a detector, right, that has X number of megapixels. Um, and each of those has a photodiode in it, I think, that can detect different wavelengths of light. So you got your reds, your blues, and your greens or something like that. And depending on the intensity of each of those wavelengths, maybe you get a different color. My bigger question, so we need to verify that first of all but the the thing that i had was you know originally they every uh, cameras were film right like actual mm-hmm. photographic film and i vaguely understand how how black and white film works but i have no idea how color film could possibly work you guys have any idea so the old film cameras for the 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 younger <laughs> listeners uh well so you probably are familiar, but you've got your, uh, you know, you load undeveloped film into the camera and you take your pictures, you know, and then you need to go, you know, you like the, 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 you know, once on the, on the, in the spool or a roll or whatever, you, you take that in when you're done to, to go get developed at your, your local, uh, drugstore, drugstore. Yeah. Yeah. 
or one of those weird like little ones in the middle of a parking lot. You ever guys you ever use those? Oh sure. Little photo. Yeah, that little photo parking lot. Yeah, yeah they were like just little photo. <laughs> it's like one guy in there, and just... it's like the, you know, that like little. Uh, in Broad Ripple, there's like that little snow cone stand where it's just like sure. basically it's a building the size for one person. It's basically that big, um, but somehow there was like a photo developing lab, and it was usually in the middle of a parking lot somewhere. In a mall, like, usually. Yeah, near a mall. I love that Colson knew immediately, and Jason has no idea. I love that. <laughs> I'm assuming that they just collected your film. Oh, no, they did them right it someplace there. someplace else and nope. developed it. They did them right you there. You can come back yeah. in like a, an the hour. The people working in that place have to be clinically insane at this point. <laughs> the amount of well, fumes gone. from the chemicals that they <laughs> must have inhaled. <laughs> But the trade-off is you get to see everybody's pictures. Sure, it's true. Sure, it's true. So you, I think it's a special type, you know. Right, right. So on the mechanics of this, Colson, do you have a? Well, okay. So originally, right? So you would put your your film in. You basically, it's it's about how much light you're letting in, right? Your the the light sure. is coming in, and and that's how you get your. Your black and whites or your browns, right? I mean, it's on some level, right? So, right. So, original film, photographic film, yeah. Areas that got more light actually turned darker. And then, and that creates a negative, right? And mm-hmm. then you take the negative and you shine light through that, and then you can print a picture. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And so that so that makes sense. That's a how you binary get black and white. thing at right. some level, right? So mm-hmm. each little, they're not really pixels, but every part of the film would be a shade of of gray. It would be on mm-hmm. some scale from white to black, mm-hmm. right? And then at some point, color film was introduced around the time of the Wizard of Oz, I think. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. and Kodak, right? Didn't right. they invent color, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, nice. Okay. I mean, I f- feel like it's still, you know, a, a very similar process, but there's just the the medium is uh, using materials that are able to... Absorb more color? Right, so you can absorb whatever color. Um, right, so, so the original film would be wavelength agnostic. Right. Okay. Yeah. Any form of light, I guess it could capture. But in color film, you would have to have individual, I think, parts of the film or individual elements of the film that could capture different wavelengths of light. That's the only way that you could get color, I would assume. But I have no idea how that would work, right? Would you make like a uh, an amalgam of... Of molecules, <laughs> I don't even know. It's so weird. Yeah, I mean, what what if you? I mean, weren't those? Weren't the negatives pretty thick for a while? Like, wouldn't you? Couldn't you have? Or like, or like, think of like a Polaroid, right? Like, maybe they're um, each individual. The negative has its own color, right? And then they're layered on top of each other. So the film might actually be three different thin layers. Yes, of different uh, film each. Uh, sensitive to different wavelengths of light. Yes. Ooh, that's really clever. That's what I I'm like going that with. that idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the way that colors work, right, you could just use primary colors, right? Mm-hmm. I would think so. I mean, because they, they, they blend, right? I mean, that's the right. thing. That's They exactly. make all the other colors. That's why they're primary. Right, right. I like that idea. I like that, okay. the, I like that it was three individual sheets that they just smashed on top of one another. Yeah, and then they they collect whatever color they're seeing. Yeah. Right. And then okay, as you so, each... so you still create a negative, right? Mm-hmm. So your right. negative would be freaky looking, but then you shine light through it and you would get the original colors, right? Yeah, in fact, the colors would be the opposites of what they're going to end up being. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 In, in color too. The negative, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So it's negative. So it's going to be negative uh, well, on the white to black scale, like the light light to dark scale, and then it's going to be negative for like the RGB 
I would think so. Yeah. 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 It's messed up, man. (laughs) Do we have a guess as to when this came about? Like, certainly it must have been. I mean, what Wizard of Oz was like one of the first color. Yeah. Motion pictures, right? But there must have been people experimenting with still photographs. But I assume once you like had. Once you got the film, you got the film. Like people were immediately making movies out of it, right? So this, so late mid thirties. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking mid late thirties. Yeah, I don't really see another. Because I mean, I don't really. I mean, you think about like pictures in the twenties and stuff. Like you don't. I don't remember seeing any color pictures. You know. Right. I don't really see a lot of. Do you see a lot of color pictures from World War Two? Weirdly, no. Yeah. They were all, I think it was just hyper expensive, right? Yeah. I'm sure okay. right away. Sure. But by the 50s, everything's in color. Right. Because everyone had more money. That's right. Make America great again. All right. Yeah. Well, what I'm seeing is that Colson is absolutely correct. Yes. That basically made film that had three different layers basically um yeah that's wild and it was the era right oh wow the first color photograph was produced by thomas sutton in 1861 oh my goodness the first movie made in color was cupid angling in 1918 wow but so Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind were made using Technicolor. Okay, yeah. The, the foundation for all practical color processes, the cre- three color method, was first suggested in an 1855 paper by Scottish physicist James Clerk Maxwell. And Thomas Sutton produced the first color photograph in 1861. Wow. So Kodachrome comes along in. 1935 Eastman Kodak introduced the first modern integral tripack color film and called it Kodachrome. Cool. Uh, yeah. And digital photography color wise seems to work the way that I described is that you have each pixel is, uh, responsive to one of the three wavelengths of light and then you just have them in a similar pattern basically so you crush that then yeah well that i knew from like microscopy and stuff like that like so that was kind of i knew basically the answer to that we did a good job y'all yeah nailed it the more you know Mm-hmm. Oh, I think we stole that one from somebody else. <laughs> nah, I think it ran out. Uh, trademarks expired by now, right? <laughs> They're not Disney. Joey, did you have one too? I, yeah, I've got I've got one here. So, uh, you, you know, during the pandemic, it, um, you kind of, you know, I'm spending more time, particularly with my wife, than uh, than I ever had in the past, and um, you know. To, to you know break up the days you guys know me pretty well and I, I I'm known to you know poke and prod people a little bit with the my uh, with some ver- verbal flair just to mm-hmm. you know have a little fun sure and I, I like coming up for, with nicknames uh, it doesn't have to be a spouse anybody in you know that you spend a lot of time with I'm, I'm just looking for nicknames that are technically true but they don't want to have. Okay. Um, yep. So they can't argue with that's that's my search that I'm looking for. Uh, so something you can tell somebody, uh, you can call them, um, which is true, but they kind of don't they don't like it. So like calling your wife uh, your roommate, true. Okay. Um, sure. But like if you were to introduce <laughs> your as your roommate, you know. Sure. She'd probably be un- gonna, unhappy about that. Yeah. After yeah. the party, um, there would be a stern talking to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm looking for uh, the discussion we have. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking for those, for things like that. 
But so this is specifically for your wife. We want. Uh, I mean, for your wife or just in general ones that we could. Well, both, I guess. Like, okay. Yeah, uh, more general. But if there's something I can use, then uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy to take it. Um, so it's not so much nicknames as it is descriptors. Okay. Yeah. Of. Sure. People in your life, right? That they wouldn't necessarily want to be described as, right? But that are factually correct, right? I've been calling her. uh, This is factually true, but I I've been referring to her occasionally as uh, my first wife. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Very true, and I I'm very happy in my relationship. I love her very much. Oh, that's great. But. She takes offense to that uh, <laughs> at times. There's an implication there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, potentially. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm up to mischief, and I'm. Uh, well, let's put this one out to the fans. I mean, I guess they don't know your uh, your wife, but you know, maybe they can take the the eight years of of things that you've mentioned about her, and hold that in their brain. <laughs> They've only heard good stuff because. By and large, she's there's an only good person. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to, because she's such a good person, I need to, you know, bring her down a peg. Right. Because that's important. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's who I am, I guess. <laughs> what about uh, what about old ten toes? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Factually true. <laughs> But kind of annoying, you know. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, there's a actually that that reminds me of one. Um, you know, we we had learned that at some point that uh, your eye, and I think this is true, Jason. You'd be the best uh, to judge this one, but that your eyes don't ever grow in size. Is is that true? Like you That sounds true. Yeah. Okay. So that's truthy. Uh, so. One of the names that we sometimes just call each other is is uh, old baby eyes. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's not like it's, you like it's true. lose your baby eyes and get new ones. I mean, <laughs> they're still the eyes from they're still from eyes from when you were a baby. They're like they're the same size as they are when you're born. So, so. Uh, <laughs> but I like, like teeth. It's like, I like like I like that idea of losing your baby eyes. <laughs> Uh. Anyway, that's what I had. I don't know. I think I'm. It truly uh, was under Google. Yeah, I think I may need to reevaluate my life, but uh. <laughs> no, nah, don't do it. Nah. I feel like it's just um, it's a good sign. You're you're in quarantine. That's your creativity is your creativity muscle is still working. Right. Yeah. Even if she's exhausted by it. <laughs> <laughs> what month is this now month uh eight of uh whatever this is we're doing it <laughs> but uh, on the bright side it. uh, it's month one of the 2021 2021 nba season yeah this is this is the first episode of a new season for us i think that's right it's true yeah, is it is it the twenty 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 one? Yeah, it's the twenty 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 one season. <laughs> That's hard to say. Brought to you by, which is very hard to say. So it's so it's the, it's 20, the twenty twenty one season. Yeah, okay. twenty 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 one season. That's right. Okay, very exciting. Yeah, we got dates on the calendar mostly, and a lot of unknowns, but uh, we got a season coming up. Indeed. Episode ep- episode nine a lot of- or not episode nine? This is season nine. Is that right? Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. All right. We've seen a lot in our day. Seen a lot. Uh, all right. I think that about does it. Uh, you know what? I'll take it with very very quick story. This was on the NBA Reddit. I saw this, but uh, give a quick quote uh, from David West on the moment he should retire. And for this, it happened during a game. His quote is, we were playing the Lakers, and I tried to post up Josh Hart a couple times, and I couldn't post him up. Literally, during the game, I'm thinking, yo, if you can't move this cat, 
you got to go. It's time. <laughs> uh, Shout out to Josh Hart for uh, ending David West's career. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out David West for knowing when it's time to go home. Yeah. All right, team, we're going to get out of here, but we'd like to thank you for listening and I hope you're all staying safe out there. You can reach us on the social medias. We're on Twitter at Undebeatables. There, we're on Facebook.com slash The Undebeatables. On our website, TheUndebeatables.com, there's a contact form there. You can send us a message and you can send us an email. Shout out at TheUndebeatables.com. We got some t shirts for sale on the website slash store. For our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Sick Leonard. Turn out the lights, the party's over. How many beverages do you have going on over there, Colson? Oh, uh, just two. This I, I switched mugs at, at halftime. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed a, a, a variety of mugs. That's right. I guess I could have... I could have dumped it into the other mug to not to not uh, freak you out. And then you also have a water bottle. So. Yeah, this is this is the only way I drink uh, water. It's out of a sippy cup. I got a sippy cup. Yeah, gotcha. I've, I've learned that. Way yeah, I've, I've learned that I hate water and refuse to drink it, but unless it's in a you know in a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>